So we're talking about possessing the land and allowing God to, um, to, in our lives, have everything that he wants, all, the, all of our, our lives, to such a degree that we receive everything he has for us. So I put together what I've called uh, three lessons in moving forward, okay? It's interesting because the song we just sang was always, and every one of these lessons starts with the word always, always. Because God is an always God, we need to be always followers of God. So as we kind of head into this, it's lessons in moving forward. So we're looking at some conclusionary uh, summary kinds of statements that you can pick up through the book of Joshua that will help us. The first one, it's about prayer. Always consult with God. Always consult. Talk things over with God. The scripture says, pray without ceasing. (laughs) Always give praise. And then again, I say, always That word always is so powerful when it comes to prayer. Have a a sense and an attitude of of prayer. Now, there's an incident in the scriptures we've not yet gone to, and it has to do with Joshua and the people of God being tricked, being hoodwinked, being scammed, being overrun by another group. See, what happened was this part of the Canaanite group was called the Gibeonites, And the Gibeonites had heard of the amazing power of God. Jericho had fallen. Ai had fallen. People had scattered and God's men had taken over. God's uh, people had taken over these communities. Well, they started to get fearful. They started to get afraid. They began to shudder and and, and tremble and uh, fearfully uh, respond And so they decided to trick the Israelites. They said, hey, if we pretend to be from way out of town, we can become their friends. So you heard the idea, you know, if you can't beat them, join them. (laughs) This this was their thought. This was their thought. We will just uh, volunteer to be a part of their community and a part of their, I mean, in fact, it's pretty clever in some ways. They were very dramatic They were very uh, intense. The people from the city of Gibeon heard about the way Joshua had defeated Jericho and Ai, so they decided to try to trick the Israelites. This was their plan. They gathered together old wineskins that were cracked and broken. They put these old wineskins on the backs of their animals. They put old pieces of cloth on the animals and to look as if they had traveled from far away. The men put old sandals on their feet. I mean, they're really going to some great extent here, aren't they? And wore old clothes. I mean, they're, they're, they're acting the part. They found some old bread. They've got the old bread with mold on it. <laughs> it was dry and moldy. Uh, they, they went into the camp of the Israelites, the camp that was near Gilgal. So they've got this ruse. They've got this... Uh, scam going, and they're trying to trick the people of God. Now, God sees what they're doing, but they can't see it. Don't you suppose this would drive them to a question mark and say, 
Lord, this looks like a, a, a legitimate thing, but we want to bathe this in prayer. They didn't. In fact, verse 14. Verse 14 says, they did not ask counsel from the Lord. Now, we've already seen where they took some assumptions. They did some presuppositions, and they said, oh, we only need a couple of men to go take AI. Let's just run in there and wipe it out. And God said, nope, don't presume. In this case, it's don't fail to consult. God had an answer, and they totally missed it. In fact, what happened is they agreed to bring these folks into their tribe, and then they felt kind of stuck. We gave our word, even though there was some trickery involved. You would say the fruit from the poison tree or something like that. They didn't do that. They said, we're going to have to keep our word. And so they were unable in a lot of ways to fulfill all that God had, pro- had told them is chase them out of the land so you have a purity of heart. Instead, there was compromise going on. Three days after the Israelites learned that they had been tricked, that these men lived right near 16 miles from Ai, where they were, where they were at, very near to them. This was a total fake out. Gotcha. Now, you know what got them is they didn't hit their knees. They didn't consult the Lord. They didn't do what the scripture says is pray without ceasing. And because they were out of tune, the Lord had a hard time revealing to them what he wanted to reveal with them to them all along. They were now in this compromised position. You know, this week we've had uh, reports of Chinese spies coming in and, and uh, preying on some of our Congress people, um, intimate relationships with them as spies coming into our midst. And we're all going, whoa, I wonder what got compromised. I wonder where we're at. That's what was happening here. They came in and they were on the inner side and they could have taken an even greater um, advantage. What does the book of James say about prayer? It says something like, anyone ever in trouble? Go to God in prayer. Anyone got something happy happening in their life? It's time to pray. He says, anybody sick in your midst? He says, call for the elders of the church and have them come and pray, pray, pray. Consult the Lord at every turn. Don't wait. He says, is somebody astray? Is somebody gone away? Now's the time to pray. There isn't a time when we shouldn't consult the Lord and go to God in prayer. That's the heart of this. Even something that looks great. We got people from afar coming wanting to join us. We're we're building our ranks. Wait a minute. Be very careful. Don't think of everything that looks good as good because it could be a trick. Who tricks? (laughs) Who's the trickster? Who's the one at the bottom of it? Um, Yeah, last night I got a text someone who said, would you pray for me? I blew it big time. Would you guys pray for me? I really need help. You know, every day we should be lifting up prayer with and for each other. It's not just um, to get out of trouble. 
But even when things appear to be good, that's actually the time you need to take the most time to pray. Beware when you stand lest you fall. Yeah. Don't let your overconfidence uh, get to you. (laughs) After Joshua, the book of Judges, it has this phrase in it. It says, and every man did what was right in his own eyes. And that's kind of where we're, where we're coming to. We do what's right in our own eyes. Well, it's my truth. It's just the way I feel about it. No, 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 no. God has a standard. God has a best. God has a plan. And if we consult him, he loves, he loves to give us his plan. But if we don't consult him, we are void. We are empty. It just doesn't, doesn't happen. And that's what happened to Israel. They started this seesaw relationship. They'd get close to God, and then they'd fall away. Every man did what was right in his own eyes, and they fell away again. And God would get them, uh, bring them into Babylonian captivity. He'd bring the Assyrians in. He'd bring people in to discipline them. And they'd come back to God, and then they'd fall away. And it's like, I see that in so many people's lives. His desire is for us to just grow closer and closer and closer. And part of that is consulting him. Ask the Lord. Spend time with him. Let's break this down a little bit further. Um, I put it this way. We're always in a spiritual battle. Now, Joshua was in a physical battle. There were physical battles going on. But we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. But our wrestling match is maybe way more difficult in a lot of ways. How many would trade physical combat for spiritual combat? He says you, you, you instead fight against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this age. Can you see them? Do you detect them? That's why you need to consult the Lord. Look how he ties this with prayer against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. He's going to go through the whole list. Then it says, praying always with all prayer. Even when you have the armor of God on, the real protection comes from praying always with all prayer. Everything kind of gets pulled together as we consult the Lord, spend time with him, praying always. Would you circle that word always? That kind of fits this (laughs) always consult. Huh? Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. I mean, he's not leaving anything out here, is he? Pray in every way, at all times, every day, and continuously. That's the only way to deal with spiritual battle. You will not even know the enemy is attacking you. You will not even know the enemy is trying to get in under the tent unless you're in prayer unless you're consulting him. Look at this, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication. But we ought to be praying for each other too. It's not just for ourselves, consult him about you, but we should be praying for our brothers, praying for our sisters continuously. So their failure to consult led the um, enemy to come into their land led them to not be fully possessing all that God had for them. I put it this way. The enemy is desperate. 
The enemy is desperate. Here's how those scriptures describe it. This is Peter. Peter says, control yourselves and be careful. <laughs> Circle that. Be careful. The Gibeonites took over the Israelites because they were not careful. What's it say? The devil is your enemy. You know, that doctrine is actually under attack today. A lot of people want to talk about the glorious, gracious God, but they don't want to talk about who has an enemy, an enemy of our soul. I mean, he defines him right here. The devil is your enemy. I mean, look at the scriptures. It's so easy to see over and over and over the enemy. Now, it's going to talk about his activity. It's interesting. He goes into detail about how the enemy works. Why? So that we're aware, so that we're clued in, so that we're consulting, because part of our consulting is through the word of God. It's not only prayer. It's prayer and the word continuously together. He says, the devil goes around like a, what's it say? A roaring lion. Okay, so first of all, he's your enemy. He is roaring. Some of that would just be trying to scare. Some of it would be showing his limited but power and strength. Roaring and looking for someone to attack, underline attack, okay? He's not just roaring, he is attacking. What does that look like? It'll look different in every situation. It will look different in every one of our lives. For some of us, it'll be a lust attack. For some of us, it'll be a greed attack. For some of us, it'll look and be different in every one of our cases. But in a lot of ways, the Bible says, no temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. It'll look slightly different for every one of us, but the categories are common. Don't think your temptation and the evil one's attack is really all that different than anyone else's. Besides attacking, what's he say? And eat. He wants to, looking for someone to attack and devour, one version says. He's not interested in just coming alongside of us. And that's where you go back to the Gibeonites. Did they just want to coexist with Israel? Or were they looking for a way to eventually overcome them, to supersede them, to reduce them, and cause them to be um, killed? He says, refuse to follow the devil. Stand strong in your faith. You know that your brothers and sisters all over the world have been having the same sufferings you have. That's the common to all. That's the everybody goes through. What is it? Roaring, attacking, devouring, and suffering. All suffering ultimately springs back to sin entering the world and the evil one bringing that about. Yeah. The evil one will devise many plots to weaken us and to win. Do not give in. Consult, consult, consult the Lord. Walk so closely to the Lord that it's impossible. Let's do one more. The victory is always the Lord's. How can we not, how can we preach on Joshua and not get down to the battle belongs to the Lord, okay? It's, it's so easy to see if they had just let the Lord lead in this situation 
the victory would be theirs. You know in all your hearts and all your souls, not one word of all the good words which the Lord your God spoke concerning you has failed. You have been, all have been fulfilled for you, for you. Not one of them has failed. God always is faithful. Circle that word, always, always, always. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged because this vast army for the battle is not yours, but God's, but God's. Little uh, David with his little sling looking at Goliath. It was, uh, the battle belongs to the Lord. It's not about me. It's not about my strength and power. It's about the Lord. It's all about. Some trust in horses and chariots, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Don't put your faith in anything else. So we always are in a spiritual battle. The enemy is desperate. In fact, he's more desperate now than he has ever been in history. He knows, the Bible says, his time is short. His time is short, and so he is even more desperate than ever before. But victory, victory, victory always comes from consulting God. Now, you may not have heard this phrase that I'm going to share here, but it is powerful. One of my favorites, cling to God. Always consult God. That's in the relationship, but cling to God. Have you heard that before? Cling to God. This is the word that's used in Genesis when it talks about a husband and a wife. It says, for this cause, a man will leave his father and mother and cleave or cling to his wife. And the two what? Shall become one. I mean, it is that process of cleaving so tightly to the Lord that you are becoming one with him. And that's the idea that is here. Always cling to the Lord. Here's where it comes from. Joshua 23, the end of the book. We're heading into 23 and 24, the last two chapters. He says, you shall cling to the Lord your God. Folks, can I just ask you a personal question this morning? Are you clinging tightly to the Heavenly Father? We have a daycare in our home, and it's always fun to watch, especially new kids, that have to say goodbye to their parents, hello to the daycare. And you know, there's that clinging moment. You know, we, we've had it here before, and I'm sure you've experienced that before, where the, the kid is like glue, you know? How do you hand them off? Usually diverting them and getting them to play or something kind of fun. I remember when I was four, I've shared this story recently about being in the hospital to have my appendix out when I was four. A little kid, and I remember this about, it was traumatic. That's why I think it was one of my first memories. And uh, my folks had to leave. You're a four-year-old, first time in the hospital. You don't want your folks to leave, right? So what did they do? They bought me gifts. <laughs> they brought in substitutes. So there was back then, um, it was around the Tinker Toy time, but they had these things called shapies. I don't know if any of you are old enough to remember. They were little plastic things, and they kind of fit together in in shapes. So they got me a thing of shapies. And I remember getting this uh, Casper the Friendly Ghost doll kind of thing. And it was one of those that you pull the string and it gives a little, a little recording. And of course, the Casper uh, joke. And they were trying to help me not cling to them because I didn't want them to leave. I mean, I was like 
you know, hanging on for dear life. But a few, a few diversions, and I began to release. Now, here's what they said, though. If you stay, if you stay overnight, they're going to give you ice cream. I don't know why, you know. The way to a boy's heart, the way to a child's heart is his stomach, same as a man, right? And that's actually what, that's actually what did it. Oh, okay then. Shapies, yeah, Casper, okay. By the way, I wore that Casper out for the next 12, 12 years or whatever, you know. It's like kicking it around. Uh, hang on, hang on, cling, love, and draw and stay um, close. I think it was a liberal politician not too long ago who said something about bitter clingers, bitter clingers who hang on to their God and their guns and their religion or something like that. And, you know, then some people said, well, yeah, we did. They even made shirts, clinger, you know. (laughs) Yeah, I'm clinging to God, guns, you know, the the Second Amendment. And it was kind of like a badge of honor instead of it was started to be maybe a put down to start off with. But it's like, clingers, people who hang on to and will not easily let go. That's the idea here. Cling to the Lord your God. Hang on in every respect. And really it has to do with intimacy. It has to do with that drawing so close that the two are becoming becoming one. I'm my beloved's and he is mine. That's not just a a romantic thought between men and women. That's a good prayer thought. I'm my beloved's and he is mine. And we're, we're, we're clinging to, um, to one another. A part of the thought here in Joshua is Joshua's nearing the end of his life at this passage. He's getting ready to pass away. He's getting ready to hand the ball off to some others. And I think part of what he's saying is don't cling to me. Don't cling to human leaders. What happens to human leaders? They get old and die. Some of them sin and go off the track, off the rails. Some of them they get dis- There's all kinds of reasons not to trust and put your faith and your cling to people. Now, it's not bad to trust people to a certain degree and say, in as much as they follow the Lord, I want to follow them. But if they ever get off track, if they ever fail, make sure that you're clinging to the Lord, not to the person. Don't cling to a culture. Don't cling to a, maybe a Christianese and a culture of Christianity. No, 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 no. Cling to Christ himself. Cling to the Lord, not to the culture. Don't cling to a a philosophy or a political party. Oh, we're so divided right now and people are clinging to so many things. No, cling only to the Lord. Let me break this down with... uh, with a um, Deuteronomy passage that uh, kind of talks about three things. First one is cling to God's goodness. Cling to God's goodness. You know that simple prayer, God is great, God is good. You know, let that be, let that be enlivened. God is good. And he kind of talked about this unconditional, of the Lord your God, to the Lord your God belong the heavens even the highest heavens, the earth and everything in it. Yet the Lord set his affection on your ancestors and loved them. I mean, think about his goodness for a minute. 
He could have done anything. He could have wiped them out, and yet it says he put his affection on them. He put his heart toward them. There was a goodness of God, and he chose them. That should be something that we look in our lives and say, you know, he chose me. Why would he choose me? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Why would God choose the world? Unconditionally, he chose us because of his goodness. You know, he chose you and he chose your ancestors, that your descendants above all the nations as it is today. Circumcise your hearts, therefore, and do not be a a stiff-necked any longer. So cling to God's goodness. Even when we're going through passages like we are in Joshua, where there's um, wars and cleaning out of of people, and you kind of go, this seems harsh. Trust and cling to God's goodness. He's doing it for a reason. He's doing it for a purpose. Think about his vastness, his greatness for a minute. So you've got goodness and greatness. They always need to go together. What would God be if he was good and not great? <laughs> He'd be powerless, right? What if God was great and not good, a tyrant? But no, he is great and he is good. He is great and he is good. For the Lord your God is God of gods. The Lord your God is Lord of lords. The great God, mighty and awesome. I just love the terminology here. He is mighty. He is awesome. Let's say those two words together. Mighty, awesome. Yeah, that's the Lord. Think about that for a minute. His greatness. You can hang on to him because he's mighty. You can hang on to him because he is great. He knows already what's going to take place uh, tomorrow. One last one, and it really has to do with his heart, his graciousness. So you've got goodness, greatness, and graciousness. Makes it easy to remember that way. Just continuing that passage in Deuteronomy, he says, he shows no partiality, and he accepts no bribes. So he's just. He's fair. He's righteous. He is gracious. He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the foreigner residing among you, giving them food and clothing. You ever wonder how God feels about immigration, immigrants? He speaks of it right there. He loves the foreigner that is among you. He wants to help the refugees who've been cast out of their communities and their countries because of uh, fighting or murder. He says, he loves the foreigner residing among you, giving them food and clothing. And you are to love those who are foreigners too. For you yourselves were foreigners in Egypt. It's kind of like you've all, become, you've all come from this stock, so don't uh, put a stop to it for others. Just love, share, show grace. Fear the Lord your God and serve him. Hold fast. That's that whole idea of clinging to. Hold fast to him and take your oath in his name. That's the same phrase. Hold fast. Hang on to. Um, he is the one you praise. He is your God who performed for you the great and awesome wonders you saw with your own eyes. Your ancestors who went down into Egypt were 70 in all. And now the Lord your God has made you as numerous as the stars in the sky. 
Wow, what happens when you cling to God? He answers prayer. He multiplies your life, your blessings. When you hold on to him, when you hold on to him and cling to him, be very careful to love the Lord your God. Cling to him. Yeah. Let's uh, do one more. Choose to serve God. So you've got consult always, cling to always, choose to serve always. Choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now dwell. But as for me and my house, we will... How can we not end Joshua's study with that phrase, right? But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Yeah, God calls on us to uh, choose this day whom you will serve. Maybe some of you will remember this. Uh, how many remember the 60s and 70s? Okay. This is uh, Bob Dylan. Famous. Can you hear it at all? Up a little bit. You have to serve somebody. You gotta serve somebody. Yes, Truth from Bob Dylan mouth, huh? It may be the devil. It may be the Lord. You gotta serve somebody. It goes through this long list. A rock and roll at it. Businessman, wherever you're at. No matter where you're at in society, you gotta serve somebody. Choose this day whom you will serve. He's kind of younger there, wasn't he? <laughs> he just sold his musical collection for $400 million to Warner Brothers or some group. Uh, this is week. I, I love it when artists are rewarded well, but that's usually last with sports decisions, you know, $400 million. Uh, kind of incredible. And, you know, he's just talking truth. I don't know where he stands with God at all. If you think about that phrase, it may be the devil, it may be the Lord, but every person on the planet is serving something. I would add a lot more than just the devil because the devil uh, in a lot of categories. You know? Think about it for a minute. There's a lot of ways in which we serve somebody other than outright the devil, like bowing down in devil worship, you know? Um, we want to follow the Lord wholeheartedly. Some people... I would say serve themselves. That's our culture right now. Don't serve the Lord, serve yourself. 
You're the one who counts. I see lots of people serving their family, serving their spouse, serving their kids. I see lots of parents absorbed in serving their kids or even some of us, our grandkids. Who are you really serving? Is it the Lord? And it's not to say we shouldn't be serving kids. It's not to say we shouldn't be serving spouses, but shouldn't we be, it be under that bigger umbrella of serving the Lord, serving your spouse while you serve or in, in the um, view of serving the Lord? Some people serve their nation. Some people serve in the army. Some people serve the needy. Some people serve as first responders. I mean, there's all kinds of ways to serve, but ultimately we got to ask the question, am I serving the Lord? Am I serving the Lord? And of course, there's, there's all kinds of idols for our time, aren't there? Think about it for a minute. The almighty dollar is probably the biggest idol, isn't it? We're bowing down to prosperity. And um, it, gets, it gets a lot of question marks in a, in a pandemic where there's a lot of challenge to our idol. Some people are hoarding and, and worshiping stuff. Another gift, another thing. Some people, it's their name and their recognition. Some uh, idols of our time have to do with technology and uh, ideological frameworks. Some have to do with knowledge. Some have to do with the degrees they get. Some have to do with hedonism and pleasure. That is their God. Some with uh, relaxation and safety in our culture right now. But you think about it for a minute. Those are all uh, idols of our time. Those are all idols of our time. We don't bow down to stone images. We don't bow down to statues like the people that they were dealing with in Joshua. But we nonetheless have a lot of options for what are we going to serve? Where are we going to put our attention, our love? So in Joshua's case, Caleb's case, they said, we're, we're going to follow the Lord wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly. That's the, the goal for all of us when we want to say, who do we serve? Choose to serve the Lord. It was kind of neat. Yesterday, um, I was doing my annual bell ringing. Every year, I try to you know, work with the Salvation Army and volunteer for a couple of hours. This time, it was at Fred Meyer in um, Tumwater, uh, ringing the bell and encouraging people about the red kettle. And I just love this picture. This lady came up, drove up with three elementary age students. And they came up with these envelopes. I mean, this, this gal was training her children. She came up to the, to the kettle and they all opened their envelopes and they all wanted to give to the, to, to the, to the red kettle with their envelopes. And you could tell. They said they got this out of their piggy banks. They took a percentage of what they had been saving and said, we want this to help somebody. And I was just like looking at this mom is training her kids to not just serve themselves. Here's your allowance. Use it however you want. Why don't you think about some others in the midst of that? Why don't you think about how God would want you to use that? And I don't know about you, but the Salvation Army is a great place to help homeless, to help the foodless, to help people in our culture, just team with them all 
that we can. And, and I think her desire, she didn't say it exactly this way, but her desire was to train the children to serve the Lord. Train your loved ones. to serve, Train yourself. And you think about that. Because you know what? You got to serve somebody. Everybody serves somebody. Are you serving the Lord? Are your kids serving the Lord? Can you spark that in them? Make your choice today. Make your choice today. That was kind of where Joshua was coming from in this, in this passage. And Joshua 24, it's the last chapter. What do you say for the last words you're leaving with somebody? Not everybody has that opportunity to, to, to give people their last words. <laughs> some of us die, you know, abruptly, you know. But for some, like in Joshua's case, he's like, I'm getting to be an old man. I'm advanced in years. I'm not going to be around but a couple more days. Here's what I want you to remember. Fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity. Put away the gods of your fathers that they served beyond the river in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your sight to serve the Lord, choose this day, choose this day, underline that, choose today whom you will serve whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now dwell. There's all kinds of options. There always have been, there always will be. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And the people answered, far be it from me or from us that we should forsake the Lord and serve other gods. For it is the Lord our God who brought us and our fathers up out of Egypt out of the house of slavery and who did the very great signs in our sight and preserved us all up until the, uh, all the way that we went and among all the peoples through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore, we also will serve the Lord for he is our God. So the pattern of Joshua saying, I me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord, brought all the people together, and they said, we will serve the Lord. Joshua, Joshua 24, 24, and all the people said to Joshua, the Lord our God, he is our God, and we will serve him. His voice we will obey. So let me just close with that. Always consult, good life lesson. Always cling to, and always choose to serve the Lord. Now, aren't you glad, brothers and sisters, that we live in, a, in an era and a time frame uh, covered by the blood of Jesus? That we have uh, a graciousness of the, the, the blood of Jesus. This is a good time for us to think they were serving the Lord because of what they saw. That's nothing. That's nothing compared to the joy that we get to serve him with. We get to serve him because he first loved us and he gave his son, Jesus Christ, for our salvation. Let's take some time this, this morning and celebrate the Lord through communion. I'm gonna have the Caleb and Caitlin come up and prepare our hearts. You probably have one of the little um, flasks, the little uh, plastic doohickeys with um, bread and juice. 
And just prepare your heart to celebrate the goodness of God. Think about consulting him. Think about clinging to him. And think about choosing to serve him today. Maybe that's one of your decisions at this point. Maybe you need to tune up your prayer life, consult him more. Maybe you need in in your life, it's not so much the consulting as clinging to him, affectionately drawing closer. Maybe it's serving. You gotta serve somebody. Serve him. So let's, um, let's sing that.